May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is God's word to God's people. All night, all day, angels watching over me, my Lord. All night, all day, angels watching over me. All night, all day, angels watching over me, my Lord. All night, all day, angels watching over me. Now, all night, all day, angels watching over me, my Lord. All night, all day. Angels watching over me. Now I lay me down to sleep. Angels watching over me, my Lord. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. Angels watching over me. All night, all day. Angels watching over me, my Lord, all night, all day. Angels watching over me. Guide me, cause I want to be good. Angels watching over me, my Lord. Help me act the way I should. Angels watching over me. All night, all day, angels watching over me, my Lord. All night, all day, angels watching over me. Yes, angels watching over me. All right. 
So if I say I got really juiced up for Jesus, do you know what I mean by that phrase? I got really juiced up for Jesus when I was a freshman in college after I had that surgery that I've told you about that made me think I was nearly dead. And there's something about being slammed into your mortality that gets you to be thinking about things uh, more important than uh, Burger King, the latest film, or video game. I took on a, a feeling of openness to uh, God's relationship to me uh, a little bit differently. Um, due to that circumstance. Even though I had been reared in the church pretty much from the day I was born, I had, I had known stuff about God. God was in my head and, and God was in my speech and this helped God be in my heart. Coming through that experience, you may not have had an operation I had, but you may have had other things that sensitized you in a new way to God. Things that you felt were just the worst thing ever that happened to you as you went through it, yet somehow in the re-knitting of yourself by the Spirit, something good <clears throat> came out of that experience. So I came out of this experience with the insight that if you really wanted to be a good follower of Jesus, you needed to actually follow Jesus. You needed to kind of be hip to what were his ways, his precepts. You needed to follow Jesus. It needed to be more than Lord, Lord, Jesus, Jesus, which was a, a thing that many of us Jesus freaks were really very good at doing. But what was most important was actually following Jesus. And so being the conceptual kind of person I was and my dad teaching me how to woodwork, I, I made a, a big kind of plaque for myself. It had the face of Jesus. I don't know where I got the face of Jesus, but I carved in the face. Of, it looked just like him, I promise you. And below it, it said, keep your eye on me. So this 18-year-old made that. The, the first summer after his operation. And I had that on my wall all through college. I will honestly confess to you, I didn't look at it all the time. There were some times when I should have been looking at it and I didn't. Um, but more often than not, and for a good length of time, so that it got into me that this is what was key. If you want to catch a ball, if you want to hit the ball, you got to keep your eye on the ball. Am I right? If you want to follow Jesus, you got to keep your eye on Jesus. I hope this cross does that for us in worship. I hope whatever kind of religious paraphernalia you might have at home is there for the purpose of reminding you about the decision you made as to whose you were going to be and what consequence that might have in your life. Good God, if all the Christians behave just like everybody else, we're in deep water. 
somehow we're to be different, aren't we? We followers of Jesus. When I look at Jesus, it strikes me that Jesus was a person of merciful love and that really we could boil down most everything he said and did into that frame of understanding. Acting with mercy, extending love, challenging people to be people of mercy and love. Let love lead is a line that has come to me that is my personal banner and I hope it becomes yours before you're done with me. So we've been looking at stages of faith and not for a aimless occupation of our hours this summer, but rather because we are aware that we are in dynamic, in movement in our faith from one place to another. And this uh, fun graphic is a way that we've been trying to make sense of it. We're talking about six stages of faith, six movements of us with the Spirit as we get deeper and deeper into being a fully engaged follower of Jesus. We've been tracing the person's movement from uh, starting to think that maybe the church isn't as crazy as he thinks or she thinks it may be to actually getting into the water and allowing the Spirit to move around them. We've talked about how important, relevant, and um, powerful worship is. We've talked how important authentic hospitality is. We've talked about how those are things that help people get over their cynicism or their sensitivity. We've talked about how important once a person gets connected in some fashion to the church that we help them to grow in their faith and don't put them to work in childcare. That we encourage them into Bible studies or faith studies or into prayer groups. Things that help them to uh, find out what it really means to be connected and how do I connect to God and to be nurtured in that. And then we were talking last week about how a person will enjoy that, but it will dawn on them all of a sudden that maybe there's more to the faith experience than just getting stuff for themselves, making themselves feel good, earning their salvation. Maybe there's something more and that more is actually following the lead of God's purposes for you rather than the lead of your, your own purposes. So we talked about that last week, about getting your feet off the ground, experimenting with different kind of ministries, seeing which ministries might uh, light your passion and which ones fit into um, your skill sets and, and where it is you might have spiritual gifts that those might be the places that God might be calling you into service. We spent some moments to just drill down on the importance of recognizing that faith is about what God wants you to do for you to become the full person God would have you be. Rather than what's convenient or interesting or willful for yourself. 
And so today we talk about that stage of faith where we've experimented a little bit. We've been bobbing up and down in the water. We haven't gone out so far that the bottom isn't still there, but we've gone out far enough that we can kind of bob. If we get a little anxious, we can take a couple steps back and get down. That's what last week was about, experimenting with ministry, experimenting with the sense of the Spirit in your life. What does it feel like? What does the Spirit communicate to me? How do I hear the Spirit? How do I go forward? And today we're talking about the person who has decided that they're going to trust in God and push out from shore, go out into the waves and swim with the Spirit. The person has decided that it's no longer enough just to kind of hear about the promises of God, to sing that great old hymn and to, and to acknowledge that, oh yeah, oh yeah, God's in control. Oh yeah, oh yeah, God this, God that. But now the time is to actually say, I believe in those promises. I believe in God's mercy upon me. I believe that God can re-knit me and make me new and does that for a purpose. I will trust in God and I will go forward into the deep into what will appear to be unknown, into those places that might make me fearful, that might get me to say, I don't have the talents for this. That might make me feel I'm out of my league. No, 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 I'm, I'm gonna walk forward. I'm gonna swim out with God and see what God intends for me. This is where people who are believers that Jesus is the Son of God or the Christ or the way by which we actually connect with God and are nurtured, this is where folk like that are now saying, I'm going to actually stake my life on this and I am going to follow God's lead. I'm going to do the things of Jesus rather than talk about them or respect them. And so it's with a, uh, I want to say, a hope-filled abandon. Does that feel like how you would describe your faith? A hope-filled abandoned that the person plunges out, plunges out into what might be the unknown, into the things that are fearful and uncertain with a conscious commitment to move forward and to live with faith-based actions and words, not equivocating, not standing down because it's impractical, it's unpragmatic, it will never work. 
That's not how we do things. No, that's how God would like things done. I'm going to walk in the path of God. And things start to happen that you don't notice on the fearful side of that decision. All of a sudden, once you place yourself out there, once you actually live as if you are because you are trusting God in your life, all of a sudden things start to come together in remarkable ways that are powerful, that are transformative, that heal relationships, that give increased meaning where you go, aha, where has this been all my life? I really love chocolate. It's like that. It's like that. How could I have not been eating chocolate all my life? Oh, thank you, Jesus. It's like that, but not so silly. It's like that. We cast ourselves intentionally out on God's grace. And we take Jesus' position and we say, this is how it is, folks. This is what love looks like. This is what love does. So Jesus said, whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Does that make any sense to you? Does it make any sense as to the words that would have you dive out fuller into the waves, uncertain as to what might happen? Perhaps you're even losing your grounding on the ground under the water, what you're casting yourself out, almost as if you are losing your life, losing what you feel is the security of yourself. And by doing that, you find yourself. Surrendering our will to God's will. Is your brain kind of going around? Are you up against the hard place in your life of where the world is saying, no, that's not how it works. That will not be the way it will go. Are you hearing that in your head? For whatever it is your circumstance, stand up to it. Identify that. Stand up to it. Jesus wants us to follow God's will, not our own will, not the will of the compromise or of the convenience or of the throw in the towel. There's nothing can be done about it. So the spiritual formation issue for us is learning how to hold back less. As time progresses, as we go through week to month to year, learning how to hold back less of ourselves from God and give over more of ourselves to God. The spiritual growth issues for us here is learning how to be humble, how to trust, how to be obedient to the will of love in our lives and in our society, even when we think it doesn't make good political sense. The spiritual issues for us 
is keeping our eyes on Jesus, not on some other God, not on some other thing that claims our allegiance or our attention. I love our scripture for today. I, I wish I could just preach on it rather than what I'm doing because there's so much in here. We could just spend a good long time looking at this, but if you're willing to quickly grab something out of it, isn't it marvelous that all the disciples are on this boat in the sea and there's storm and there's darkness and there's spookiness and there's fearfulness and there's all of those things that we humans have when we run up against things like this, like weekends we have had in our country. And we're pretty scared and pretty uncertain of what needs to be done or what to do. And then we come to church and we're reminded that there's a Jesus still. Wait a second. Here comes Jesus on the water, stilling the storm. And maybe some of us are like Peter. Maybe some of us aren't. Maybe some of us are huddled down in the boat and we go, well, Jesus, you just stay out there and have fun. That's okay. But some of us are like Jesus, aren't we? Or rather like, like uh, Peter. Some of us are like Peter and we see Jesus there and we say, that's what I want to do. I want to be like him. Can I be like you, Jesus? Call me out. Call me out. Come on, dude. Come out. And what happens? He's walking on water. He's walking on water. He's looking at Jesus. He's trying to be like Jesus. He's keeping his eye on Jesus. And he's walking on water. And then... Uh, he starts to realize what it is he's doing and how dangerous it is and how people really don't walk on water. We're not meant to do this. Wait a second. He focuses on his fears, on his liabilities, on his limits, on his heretofore self-concept of what he is, and he starts to sink. Is there any better illustration to what we're talking about today for this stage of faith development? And maybe we'll be like Peter and go out on water a couple times and start to sink and call out to Jesus. He's there for us, don't worry. We'll try again. But that's what we're after. We're after being able to do that, to follow even there with Jesus. Did you enjoy the music, the special music today? I, I liked it because I can't do that. And I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I, I like to think I can kind of sing, but um, ask anybody that really knows me, and you know I can't. But one, one of the things that I would love to be able to do if I could is sing harmony. Because did, did you hear did you hear her doing that? Wasn't that sweet? That is so nice. It adds a whole other thing to what's happening, right? And if you've ever tried to do that, you know it is so hard because that melody line is just claiming your attention. 
it's really hard to keep your focus on the note line you're trying to sing of the harmony because that melody line just keeps grabbing at your attention. And, and I find that I can hardly do that. I'll, Gloria will get me to sing one of those notes, but the next note will be down where the melody is. Now, that harmony with the melody sounds beautiful, but as an illustration for us, we have a world around us that is a cacophony of values and sounds that are competing for our attention. And the Lord is asking us to sing a new song. Who will sing a song for God in this forsaken land, in our exile in Babylon? And it's hard to sing that song because we're pulled down. But that's what we're after. Focusing so much on the ways, the precepts of Jesus that we are able to sing the song of merciful love regardless of the cacophony of sounds, of the fears and the limitations that are around. There is no nobler endeavor for you than to be a true person of faith that sings the songs of love. And there is no better place to be than in a community that by hook or by crook is trying to help each other to do that. This is the blessed kingdom. No better place to be. Let's live up to the calling that God gives us to swim out into the waves with the Spirit, to sing a new song. Amen.